Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspect of running, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. This episode is sponsored by Goo Energy Labs, a performance sports nutrition brand that I love. I've been using Goo products for the majority of my running career, and watching their products and team evolve over time has been super cool to see. Offering initially just energy gels, they now offer gels, chews, stroop waffles, post-training recovery mix, electrolyte options, traditional nutritional supplements like vitamin D, magnesium, and more. I use just about all of their products on a regular basis, and lately have been loving their liquid gels, which I found to be the easiest mid-run fuel of anything I've tried yet. For the long run listeners, get 20% off anything on their site with the code FTLR at gooenergy.com. Enjoy. Welcome back. I have Caitlin Yonke joining me on the podcast today. Caitlin, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, so you are out in beautiful Colorado, and uh, I am... I am envious. Um, but before we go, <laughs> before we go too far, um, my first question, as has become a little bit of a, a standard here, um, who is Caitlin? Ooh, that's always, I feel like, tough to answer or answer uniquely. Um, I am an adventurer, I guess is the best way to put it, and a believer in anything is possible. I guess I have the two big that. words. <laughs> An adventurer when with anything being possible. That's a dangerous yeah. combination. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> so um, we've we've talked a little bit um, prior to recording here, and I have many, many questions that I want to dive into. But to sort of set the stage and given it's a running podcast um, or somewhat of a running podcast, um, let's let's start there. So you run long distances now, but do you remember your first run? Um, I probably was back in, Oh, middle school or high school trying out for like the track team was probably the very first time I ever ran any kind of distance or maybe like that elementary school physical fitness test of let's run a mile around the gymnasium. But that's probably the first time I ever ran, ran. I was more of a cyclist before I became a runner. And so those those laps around in middle school and high school have turned into 100 miles in a yeah. single go. What, what does that evolution look like? <laughs> that evolution kind of started with, I wasn't really ever a runner in high school or I guess ever really in college, my evolution started actually on a bike with my dad. And then um, as I got into college, being in the music program, it was easier to put on running shorts and shoes and go out for a few miles on, you know, by foot instead of on the bike to kind of clear your head from studying and practicing instead of putting on the full cycling kit, pumping up the tires, you know, that 40 minute endeavor to even just get out the door. So I just started, you know, doing all of that. 
instead of, you know, riding my bike and 20 minutes of running turned into five miles of running. And I used to ride a lot with my dad. And then when he was diagnosed with MS in college, running kind of took over instead of cycling. And so that was kind of the evolution of running over riding. And then I found an organization called MS Run the US and they run across the country for multiple sclerosis. And you have to run a marathon a day, seven days a week for a seven day period. And then you hand it off to the next relay runner. And I thought, how cool I get to do something for a cause I believe in. And that was my first big like toe dip into running, I guess, an ultra. And I guess I really haven't looked back. What is it about the the ultra distance that you find to be special? Ooh, I think it's this, anything is possible out there. You can't look at your watch and say, hey, I'm running this pace. I'm, you can't, there's nothing really tangible about it. You have to figure things out on the go. You have to problem solve. You get to look out around you and take it all in. And it's this big mindset of, I get to do this. I can do this. And it's going to be tough and it's going to be hard, but why not? It's, you know, all those possibilities of I get to be here. I get to challenge myself. And I think that's one thing I really love about the ultra distance is how much can we challenge ourselves to do something big? Yeah. And I think it's, it's like a, um, it's like a sandbox where you can experiment and learn about yourself in a situation where if you screw up, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day and you can apply those lessons into life. Totally. And you could screw up in the moment and it's not going to, ruin your day out there. You know, a small mistake isn't going to change your day drastically. You can come back from it a lot faster than, you know, in a 5k or a 10k, but you know, small mistake, you can bounce back, you can keep moving, you can learn on the go. It's basically like putting together a really big jigsaw puzzle and it's a really fun jigsaw puzzle. (laughs) Yes. And it's, um, and the pieces are always different and new. Yes. <laughs> so we connected after you um, set an FKT running 100 miles on the White Rim Road in Moab to raise awareness for MS. Um, and what I found to be particularly interesting about your FKT was how it absolutely wasn't about you at all. And <laughs> you, you spent... Yeah, everything I've seen on social media is I'm dedicating these 10 miles to this person and 10 to 20 to this person and 30 to 40 to this person and so on. And I think that, so I've used that practice as a way to um, get through a marathon where I wrote on my arm, like mile 17 is this person and whatnot. Um, Talk to me about, about where that came from for, for the hundred mile distance and um, yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah. So, um, A, I really wanted to do something big for this cause. 
Um, I've been involved with the MS Run the U.S. organization for several years. And I don't know, I just felt like with how 2020 turned out to be, I wanted to do something bigger than me. I felt like a lot of things that some people were doing were about themselves. And that's great. And that's wonderful. But I'm the person, if you're going to do something big, you know, do it for something outside your own efforts, I guess. And, you know, MS is a huge cause close to my heart. And I thought, why not go for it in that way? And I tried to find personal connections and I thought what better way to kind of keep me motivated because there's no aid stations out there. I wasn't running to an aid station. So the best way to keep me moving forward to be dedicating these miles to people maybe I know or people who have been impacted by MS and to take them with me every 10 miles. And I knew that sharing their story would also help generate donations and help generate making some noise that MS is here. And a lot of people this year that have MS have been impacted by, you know, what's going on in 2020 with COVID. I know a lot of those people are scared to go outside and interact with other people. It's tough. It's been an isolating year, but also just to raise awareness. But what transpired out there for me was I got to share 10 miles with the first person, Jill, and then the next 10 miles with everyone who had MS. And like, it became like sharing a moment with each person instead of like, oh man, I'm at mile 30. This is, this is rough. It became like each 10 miles I got to share with a new person. And so instead of really like pushing my pace for the FKT, I really was just setting out on a new 10 mile journey. And it really broke down the run substantially for me and mentally for sure. So mentally, I understand how that makes sense. Physically, it's still a hundred miles, right? <laughs> so, so how did you stay in the, in that, in that mindset where this, this 10 mile chunk is for this person, despite, you know, I might be in pain right now. How, how did you sort of, um, um, reconcile the the physical with the mental I don't really I don't know if I ever really had that moment it was I don't want to say it was an odd thing to happen I don't know if I had that moment it was kind of being in that moment and realizing that like people who maybe live with MS everybody's symptoms are different and everybody has Um, a different life living with MS. And so maybe while I might be, you know, my hip might be tight or I might be a little nauseated, they might have gone through something different or they might be wheelchair bound or they might have all these different symptoms that I have no idea what it's like. And so while I might be just slightly irritated by a blister on my foot, I will not know what it's like to live with MS. And so I can push aside how I feel and I can keep pushing forward for them. Yeah, I think that's a powerful perspective. Um, And I think it takes a lot of work to to get to that place where you're, I don't want to say like outside of your own body, but um, I don't know, it's just like, 
it it feels like that's a that's a challenging or that that's a that's a um it's an impressive space to be in to be able to <laughs> to have that kind of approach even while running for 20 plus hours so has it always been like that for you has the gratitude and and appreciation always been like a core component of your running or has it been sort of as you've learned and as you've had these experiences with people close to you with with MS um, has this been something that you've sort of added into your toolbox essentially I think it's like little bit has been there. And then as the years have gone on, it's grown. Um, the very first time I ran the relay, um, the third day in, I just had this like terrible mental breakdown. It was nine miles in and I had probably been running for like three hours and I was just so dismayed about how slow I was going uphill. Granted, you know, I was on my third marathon in three days just completely torn apart by how terrible I was doing. And it really was a humbling moment when I could no longer continue running my miles because I had injured myself. When my dad said, sometimes you need a team to help you. I love that. And that was coming from a person who is living with MS, saying that sometimes you need other people to help when he could be the one living in his own head saying, woe is me, feel bad for me. This is all about me. And he's saying, you need a team. We need a team. And I think that was like that first time that like little nugget started to grow of like, in the moment you could say this really hurts. This is really awful. I hate this right now. I'm in a lot of pain. And kind of flip the situation and say, you know, my feet hurt, but you know, I'm so excited that I get to do this or man, I am really nauseous right now, but you know what? I've made it this far (laughs) or, you know, any number of bad things that can happen to you in a hundred miles. And instead of turning that one negative moment into a really negative moment, turning it into where is the light in the situation. And I think over the years, you know, that one bad patch has kind of shed light and grown bigger over the years of, you know, it may not be great, but where is the light in that? Yeah, I love that. It's always looking for the positive in the situation and what's the what's the teachable moment and what's the the lesson that can be shared. Um, so we share the same coach and we're both part of uh, swap and I've had a lot of swap athletes on this podcast and you're just like living the swap <laughs> lifestyle of just like gratitude and appreciation. And like, this isn't all, you know, puppies and unicorns, but I'm making the most of it. Um, so how long, how long have you been working with swap or how long have you been in, in swap? I think I've been in swap for about a year and a half or longer. I think like May will be two years. So about a year and a half. I don't know. I've lost track of time. (laughs) And so what had you been working with a coach prior? I had been. And 
I honestly had just kind of been getting caught up in the numbers of things, like how pace was going and all of that. And I think I just needed a mental shift of let's get out of the number zone and let's get back to just the basics and kind of free yourself from, you know, looking at a watch and go off of how you mentally feel or how maybe you physically feel and paying less attention to what a piece of, you know, electronics is telling you and what your body is telling you. And, you know, that was probably for me, the best decision I could have made. And are you working with um, David or Megan? I'm working with David. Cool. And what was his, what was his take when you mentioned um, this FKT? He basically said a big F yes. (laughs) And then I told him. Sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about right. And I told him I wanted to do it that I actually really wanted to get close to the men's time, but I would be happy just like sitting between the women's and the men's. And he said, F yes, let's do this. Because on my like long-term goal that I put in like your initial like intake, whatever it is that I wanted to do a hundred miles in 20 hours, didn't care where, didn't care what it was for that. You know, my shoot the moon goal was a 20 hour, hundred mile run. So I think that maybe secretly, I can't read David's mind secretly. He was like, we're going to get to 20 hours on this. <laughs> so um, I told him that that's what I wanted to do. Cause all of my races were shot and I put it in there and he said, yes, let's do it. And then I told him kind of also what I wanted to do it for. And I think that made him even more ecstatic that, you know, I was putting a why behind the what and I feel like if you put a why behind the what, you run even stronger and there's a little bit more passion and more drive. So even if you're like two hours under the goal, you're still going to drive as hard as you can to that finish line and get the best out of yourself. Totally. And um, you mentioned something that uh, comes to mind. We both reshared Shalane Flanagan's post yesterday of when it starts to hurt, you will know your why, because it's inevitable that it will get uncomfortable. It will get hard. So know your why, control your mind and lean into moving forward. I feel like that's like the epitome of of everything you've said so far, right? (laughs) I'd like to think so. I think that, (laughs) you know, when things really get tough, at least for me mentally, I always kind of remember like why I'm out there doing it for sure. And, and why is that? Um, for me, it's usually I have to remember, you know, the one reason that I started running long distance and it's my dad. What does he, what does he mean to you? I have a, I have what it sounds like is a similar relationship with my dad and he's probably going to listen to this podcast. So love you, dad. <laughs> Um, and I, I just love like how you're talking about him. So I, I, I want to, if I, if I may, um, can you talk a little bit about your relationship with him? Yeah. So we always grew up cycling together and riding bikes. He taught me to love how to be an endurance athlete and that relationship and that bond to me was extraordinarily special. And then in college, he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And I knew that there was potential for him to lose 
his ability to ride a bike with me. And as the years progressed, that turned out to be true. And that's been tough, but I found a love off the bike and that's been running. And he became my why because the joy that he gets sitting there watching his kids do something they love. He is so happy about us towing the line of a race. He gets so excited listening to me talk about, you know, big races like running Leadville or me planning, you know, the White Rim FKT and, you know, that bond that we have. He's one of my best friends and like my biggest cheerleader. And every big hundred mile that I've done, he always makes sure he is at an aid station, even if his, you know, his symptoms don't allow him to be 100% present. He is there in the best of his ability. And, you know, he's just my best friend. I love that. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> um, before we started recording, I mentioned something about my grandfather and, and your commentary about your dad reminds me of um, my grandfather and, and the joy that he would get um, just watching me do stuff I like and love. Um, and he was at my first marathon and, and every time I would see him, he would ask me, you know, what, what's my next adventure. <laughs> and so I, I feel that every time I go out and do something epic or, you know, just a boring four mile run and everything in between, um, he's, he's smiling. Um, he passed away last fall. And as I said, before we started recording, um, music therapy was something that brought him tremendous joy in his, um, in his, in his final days. And you're a music therapist. <laughs> so I am. let's, let's jump over to that. <laughs> um, cause I want to know, I want to know more about that. I never really asked him or them or, or, um, it just seemed like so beautiful and, and so incredible. And, and, um, yeah, I want to, I want to hear about that. So music therapy, it's always so tough, I guess, to explain sometimes, but <laughs> the best way that I can put it is I work primarily with adults and kids who have developmental disabilities. Um, I work a lot on helping them build life skills. So their ability to function, if they were to go out in public, um, they could have some social interaction that's appropriate, um, verbal skills, movement, um, basic cognitive function, making decisions and use it all through music. Um, great example would be now that the holidays are coming up. If we were to sing like Christmas carols, they could pick their favorite song that's making a decision. Um, and then speech skills would be having them help me sing a specific word or listening for a certain word. That's again in helping them pay attention for something. Um, and then, you know, of course the speech and helping them sing, um, moving to the song would help promote movement and all of that stuff. So it's using music as that therapeutic medium to meet all of these essential life skills that if they were to go out in the, to the community or to do things at home, they're better able to complete those tasks. 
And music is such a great communicator in the brain because it doesn't just target that specific area of the brain for motor skills or for speech. Um, If you were to ask somebody to sing, the part of our brain that lights up in our brain isn't our speech center. It's everywhere. And that's such a wonderful thing. And like you were saying with your grandfather in his later years, they were probably using it for him for movement and for speech and maybe memory. So he probably just had a wonderful time being able to recall a lot of things and do a lot more than he was would be able to without the music there. It was memory. Um, memory. It was, it was, um, they were all songs about his childhood and, um, yeah. and his twenties and thirties. And, and he was married to my grandma for 60 plus years. And, um, was about their early years and the songs at their wedding and all that stuff. And it was, um, it was incredible to see. Yeah. Music is such a great connector in that way. And, um, you and I can probably remember a song or hear a song on the radio or, you know, it comes on, on our phone and we can instantly remember this, you know, where we were in that point in time when we a either first heard the song or we'll have a memory associated with that song. And so that's the great, you know, beauty of music is it creates those connections. And that's why we use it, especially when for memory recall with patients or clients that have memory um, as part of their goals, you know, we'll sing songs from their younger years, or if we're trying to get them to recall something, we'll pull out, you know, songs from their youth, and then they can really kind of dive back into some of that joy. I love that. How did you get into this? Um, I got into it. I have, um, I've known some people or knew some people when I was in high school that were autistic um, and had a few other um, developmental disabilities. And I saw the power of what just playing um, an instrument did for them, just playing it for them. It calmed them down. It brought them from being really um, trying to think of a, the non-clinical word, being really agitated or really upset, bringing them down and bringing them back to a really calm state. And it really struck me. And I wanted to do something with music. My primary instrument in school was clarinet. And I didn't want to be a band director. (laughs) Um, As much of a joy as that is teaching, teaching high school band was just not something for me. Um, And I didn't know for sure if I wanted to be a performance major either, but I knew I wanted to do something with music and just watching how music could shift and help somebody go from being so upset to being so calm. I knew there was something there and I did my research. I talked with the directors of the school up in Fort Collins for music therapy and that kind of became the route I chose. Do you apply the learnings from what you do professionally into into your running? Like, do you listen to music? Are you intentional with your music choice? Sometimes. Um, there will be some days I consider my music choice a little odd sometimes. Like, I have a specific, <laughs> like, hardcore, like, speed work, you know, workout playlist. But, you know, some days on the trail... Um, I'll either not listen to tunes or I 
I listen to symphonies. It's a very odd choice. Or, you know, I've listened to, I can zone out to like classical music. Um, but I'm not really too intentional with what I listen to. I just kind of have it on low as just background white noise for me at this point in time from being um, a music major for so long. It's just kind of a nice, nice thing to have, but I don't always be very intentional with it. I usually use kind of the skills and coping mechanisms that we've been taught with how to apply um, other things. So like if you're really upset listening to calming music or, you know, you really need to be woken up using something that's a little bit more uplifting and joyous sounding and kind of those type mechanisms to really like lift you up versus, you know, if you're really feeling angsty listening to, you know, those angsty country tunes or <laughs> whatever it is, like instead of leaning into it, reversing it. You must have the most interesting Spotify. <laughs> it is. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> Do you have a lot of playlists? Not really. Not so much like on my phone. It's more or less like what I play for work. That's like my guitar tabs. Oh, so you're, you're actively playing music versus yes. listening to it. Yes, we're actively oh. playing music. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Um, so did you listen to music during the FKT? Not a whole lot. Maybe the first like, uh, I'd say maybe 20 miles, like in the dark. I had like one headphone in. Um, I had a bike pacer behind me. And so every now and then she and I would kind of chat, but I just had kind of tunes to just kind of keep me in a zone. I don't like running in the dark. So I just kind of put tunes on and usually zone out. And then as soon as the sun came up and I started getting pacers, so I started getting pacers at mile 30 to the end, I didn't have any music with me, which was kind of nice because I had people to chat with, people to move with. Um, and that was actually probably the first time that I used music the least in a hundred mile distance. Very cool. Thanks again to Goo Energy Labs for sponsoring this episode. Initially known as the energy gel company, Goo now offers several different product lines designed to meet the needs of today's athlete. It's not just the mid-run refueling option that I love, but their post-run recovery protein that mixes so well with coffee, or even the before bed magnesium and vitamin D supplement too. No other magnesium supplement has worked as well as theirs has for me. This season of running is a great time to try something new, so why not try Goo? For the long run, listeners get 20% off anything on their site with the code FTLR at gooenergy.com. And now back to our conversation. I want to go back to something you said earlier. Um, and so when, when we initially connected, um, you said that you thought, what better way... Um, so the organization that you had been working with has had to make a bunch of changes this year to due to COVID. And you said, you know, what better way than to run in a harsh, unforgiving environment for a disease that doesn't care who you are? I think that like that perspective is powerful in 2020, you know, more than ever before. Um, so I'm curious, what did you, what did you learn from that day that, 
you'll be carrying with you that, you know, might not have been a part of you prior to starting? Ooh, I think that a, there was a few lessons learned. Um, there was just a small group of five of us. So four crew members and myself. And one of the big ones is, is that like, when you pick, like I picked like the most solid group of crew, but people are just genuinely good and they genuinely want like your success. And that was one of the things I learned is like people innately want to see the best in you. And that was one of them. And another one is, is you can do more than you think you can, I think is the other one. Like there is more in you than you think you can. Cause I thought there wasn't more in my legs until my pacer told me there was, <laughs> and he told me I could run the last 5k. And I told him no. And he said, yeah, we're running. Was that Kyle? And, yeah. <laughs> What a, He's, what a guy. I know, right? He was ruthless, but I, you know, definitely earned those last, that last 5k. But had he not said those words and believed that that was there, and had he not told me that you can do this, and I, you know, started running, and I was like, oh, I can do this. You know, had I not had that belief, it wouldn't have happened. So I think what does you it can't do more than you think you can. What does it mean to have somebody believe in you that much? It was, I think, I didn't know Kyle too well going into it. He and my husband are good friends. And so it was a really like special moment to have somebody who had been running with you, A, for 40 miles to really say, you can do this. I've seen you do it all day. It's there. And it was yeah. like, it almost knocked me off on the ground because it was like, well, okay, I've got to do it. If someone who's seen me run since mile 40 is saying, it's there, you can't, there's no walking at this point in time. You got to keep running. Then you just got to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kyle, uh, Kyle, Kyle used to live in Boston and he would, um, he would run Harvard Stadium with, with one of his kids on his back. Um, so going up thir like 30 inch steps with a human child <laughs> strapped yeah, to him. That sounds about right for Kyle. He does that on his <laughs> treadmill at home. Yeah, it, it, it did him well for, uh, for Western States and run rabbit and all the races he's done recently. So, yeah. um, switching gears a little bit, um, a question I like to ask on the podcast is fast forward 10 years, um, what are you going to be really proud of? I would like to maybe be proud of, not maybe, but I think I'm going to be proud of the hopeful difference that I've made, you know, with being an advocate for MS, you know, hopefully in 10 years, there's a cure or more, more done for MS and hopefully just even what I've been a part of knowing that I was able to help. That's what I'll be proud what would, of. What would that mean for you? It would mean that no, 
no other kids like me get to watch their parents lose their mobility. So if I can, if that happens in the next 10 years, I'd be proud of that. That's awesome. Um, I, I've enjoyed um, Justin Grunewald's approach to life in the last year plus. Um, and his late wife, um, Gabe, would say, you can still make something. I really don't want to butcher this quote, but it's it's basically like you can still make something really beautiful out of a really bad situation. And I think that um, I think that that's the that's the key in, you know, in anything really, um, particularly in this time we're in right now, that it's all about continuing to move forward and put put one foot in front of the other. Um, and that can mean that can be literally, you know, en route to running 100 miles and <laughs> doing it faster than anyone's done it before or in life um, when, you know, every little piece of the puzzle that you're putting together is going to help somebody else have a better experience. So I think I think that's super cool and, and super admirable. Um, switching gears again a little bit. Um, <laughs> balance is something that I find to be fascinating um, to discuss with high-performing athletes. Um, some feel that it is essential and required, and others believe it's totally overrated and um, isn't necessary to a, a thriving life. Um, so where do you fall on that spectrum? Ooh, I don't know if I have balance figured out. <laughs> or if, I don't think anybody does. <laughs> right? And I don't even know if I pay attention to balance. I'm, I mean, I'm lucky that, you know, I work from like a client to client basis. So I've got like time in my day to get stuff done. And I think maybe it's, I'm just good at being aware of my time and just getting stuff done when I can and just making sure that maybe I feel, I mean, best way to put it is like, I feel each of the important cups in my life. You know, I've yeah. got family, which is, you know, my mom and my dad and my brother. And of course my husband, he's, he's got his own little cup, but you know, and then running and all those other things. And you got to fill those cups equally, I guess, and some more so than others. But, you know, you'll never have the perfect balance. I think if you tried to balance all of those, then they'd all be filled to the same level. But you can't do that. That's not fair to certain things, right? So I don't think I have it out figured out. Each week it always comes that probably one of them tips over. So, you know, I just find time when I have it. And, you know, if some weeks that ends up with me laying on the couch drinking coffee till two in the afternoon, then <laughs> great. That's a good I'll day. Go from, right. I'll go for my run later. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think balance is what you make it. And if, at the end of the day, if you are still a happy and content person with the life you're living, then I think that's what matters. Totally. Um, what does the rest of 2020 look like for you from a from a running perspective? absolutely nothing but easy miles. <laughs> I really nice. like funked up my body, not in a bad way, but like yeah. that road is like running on pavement for a hundred miles. So 
Nice. Things are still hurting. <laughs> Got it. What is, um, have you started thinking about 2021? Mm-hmm. What's on the, what's on the radar? A few things. I have the race that I was supposed to do last summer that canceled high lonesome 100 is tentatively planned. So that's one of them. And then my husband was scouting the Nolan's 14 route all this past summer. And you want to explain what that one is quickly? Yeah. Um, So between Leadville and Buena Vista up in the Sawatch range here in Colorado, there are 14 14ers and you can continuously connect them on, on and off trail line to um, make one line for them. If you finish the Nolan's 14 in under 60 hours, you are a finisher and you can either go northbound or southbound. So you can start at Mount Massive and head down to Mount Shivano or Mount Shivano to Mount Massive. Um, Either way, you're still a Nolan's finisher. Um, He's been scouting the line. It's rough. It's rugged. It's probably the roughest hundred mile line in all of the United States. Um, Sabrina Stanley took the women's FKT and then Joey Campanelli, I think I'm mispronouncing that, took the men's FKT this year on it. But my husband was scouting the line. Um, we didn't get a crack at it this year, but, um, I think next year, um, he might take a crack at it. So probably be helping him with that. Plus it's just really fun to be up on those 14ers. So probably do a little bit of that and then looking at maybe another longer FKT project, maybe around this time next year. Cool. Um, just, uh, you have the distance mapped out or is it, um, you have a specific uh, potential route? I have a specific route, but yeah, I'm looking at the Coca Pelly trail, um, for the women. So it's about 138 miles from Loma to Moab. Very cool. What are some of your uh, your favorite trails in Colorado? Ooh, that's tough. I no offense to anyone that likes the Front Range trails in the Golden <laughs> area. I do not like them. They're too crowded. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a couple of hidden gems in. Georgetown and Idaho Springs that I really like where mountain bikers never go. So those are my, my faves. Um, anything up in like the Leadville or the Sawatra area that are connecting to 14ers or kind of around them. I mean, you can do anything up there and have just a phenomenal day above or below tree line. Um, those are some of my favorites. And then anything down in the San Juans. Um, which is down like Telluride, Uray, um, Silverton area. Very cool. Um, what do you know now about running that you wish you knew when you started? Oh, not to take it so seriously. <laughs> I love when people say that. What What do you mean? <laughs> like ditch the watch almost every day. Like it's not about your time. It's about how much fun and how much joy you can have out there. And the speed will come later. The work comes. But really, you know, the miles are made up and pace doesn't matter. 
really. Like it's all arbitrary at the end of the day. It's how much fun you can have with the people you care about. And that's what running should be. And it should be how much joy you're getting out of it. And you really can do some incredible things. And like I said at the beginning, if you believe in yourself. Yeah. That's the part that I miss so much. The um, the sharing it with other people. I've pretty much yeah. run by myself for every mile of 2020 um, since all this started. And like la- uh, last weekend, two weeks ago, I was a part of my my friend's virtual marathon and like to see him in the last four miles achieving a goal that he had been working to get to for 10 months after a gnarly bike crash was so cool. And, and like to see the, the pain cave that he was in, but continuing on and, and then to see him finish and like pump his fists in the air and, and know that, you know, the work that he put in paid off and it like that celebration like that's the stuff i miss the shared experiences the we're in this together all that stuff um so maybe i'll have to jump in some f some more fkt attempts but <laughs> um yeah i miss the racing i miss the the um the camaraderie of of race weekend for sure for for all those reasons yeah And I think that was the one thing about White Rim that was really nice is because even though it was just a small group of us, it was so nice to be around a crew of people that believed in the same, the same cause. And it was nice to also be in a group where like someone wasn't elbowing you for something at the (laughs) station or like you weren't getting like passed by somebody who wouldn't let you pass them again. Like it was, we were all out there working for the same goal and that made it just just a wonderful experience. That's super cool. The only thing I've ever been a part of that was like that in September, um, I was supporting Cat Bradley for an FKT in Rhode Island and it was on the North South trail. So um, the Northern part of Rhode Island to the, to the ocean. And um, we made it all six miles, but <laughs> those six miles were, uh, were pretty incredible to see the, like the determination and what goes into um, executing a day like that. Um, but yeah, she was foiled by, um, COVID restrictions, not any sort Mm -hmm. of physical, um, issue. So yeah, the, the, the support of a goal and, and, and striving towards something, um, is, is super cool to, uh, to be a part of there. Yeah, for sure. And it always makes the day feel like it goes a lot faster than if you're out there like racing other people i felt like the day just flew by i didn't know where the miles had gone (laughs) that's impressive when there are a hundred of them (laughs) (laughs) awesome well caitlin thanks so much for taking some time to chat today um if we want to follow along with um your future adventures or learn more about um how how the listeners can support you in your um fight against ms uh where can we find you you can find me at on Instagram at KKRUROO917. Um, I don't have a Twitter. Well, I do, but I never use it. So it's worthless. <laughs> Probably better that one. <laughs> right? Or you can find me on Facebook at just Kaylin Yonke. Awesome. Well, again, thanks so much. And hopefully uh, see you out in Colorado or somewhere on a mountain sometime soon. Yeah. That's it for today's episode. 
Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.